This is Ed Cohen, your broadcast host today on Global Radio Talk Show, a broadcast service of globalbusinessnews.net and Global HR News. I'm coming to you today from San Diego, California, and our special guest today is Mr. Damien O'Farrell. He is in Rome. Hello, Damien O'Farrell. Hello, Ed. It's an honor to be with you today. Ciao. So, Damien, please tell our audience briefly what you do. Well, right now, what I'm doing is, uh, for many, many years, I was doing what I describe as uh, general relocation, but I've moved more into personalized relocation and immigration programs in Italy, working with corporate clients and individual clients, corporate clients that are relocating assignees to Italy and individuals who have decided that they would like to live and or work in Italy. And I'm taking a little bit of a a different approach in the sense that the programs are far more personalized. So I'm looking at the person and or their family in a much more holistic manner, as opposed to the sort of standard programs that are sometimes assigned. Okay, so this is for Italy and Malta, is that correct? And for the moment, it's for Italy, and upon request, I'd also do Malta, exactly. Moving to Italy sounds like it's fun or romantic, but I can imagine it can be crazy-making. When I talk about relocating to Italy, whether I'm on a panel or I'm in an interview like this, I always say that the main issue is perception. People think it's going to be a walk in the park. And sometimes a relocation to Italy is one of the most challenging. Absolutely. I used to do a lot of relocation for a multinational based in Florence. And they were some of the most challenging because people didn't think it was going to be as difficult as it was. And what is the most difficult section of that? I think without a doubt, and I can put myself in this category as well, is is the language. Uh, when you move to a country and you don't speak the language, that's a major challenge because you have everyday difficulties that you never thought about. Just even walking into a bar in Italy and getting something to eat becomes a major undertaking if you don't speak Italian and who's ever serving you doesn't speak English. Yeah. So hmm. the organization, people don't understand that you need to develop a lot of patience when you relocate to Italy. Timing is much different here in comparison to, to other markets. So when you say timing, if we could go deep here for a moment, the timing means what? How fast you're served or how fast how- people reply to you? How fast everything is from the word go, which starts with the work permit if you need one. So that, in the case of Florence, can take up to six months to come through, which is a very long time. From the time you find a house to the time you move in, that can take more or less three to four weeks. Uh, Setting up utilities, that can also be a very lengthy process. And a lot of people are not they're not prepared for this. So that's why with the personalized programs that I'm doing now, I'm working very closely with HR and the assignees themselves to really prepare them. 
Because what happens also sometimes is someone moves here and they're not ready for the situation. They don't feel prepared. And sometimes they don't feel supported. And then they get angry. So I'm trying to solve a lot of those issues with HR. And that's why I'm always talking about the roof over your head. Because if we can get the assignee into the house, the property, as soon as possible, nine times out of 10, they're going to be much happier. And they're going to be much more forgiving of anything that may go wrong with the the relocation later on. So typically, then, a relocation client would be staying in a hotel or some kind of an apartment for an extended period. For an extended time, yes. But I also try to find out exactly what they're looking for so that when they come to Italy, I get them out for the home search as soon as possible. Yeah. So the company pays for all of this, right? The company would pay for that. In the case of the corporate client, yes, the company would pay. But what happens sometimes is a very generic housing survey may land on the desk of the HR manager, whereby they see a one-bedroom apartment in Rome for 800 euros. The challenge there is that usually that's in an area where an expat wouldn't want to live, and it's not a very central area. So what I'm trying to do is is to go in and share a lot more information. Because often what happens is if you live locally, you may never have looked for a property yourself. So you may not be aware of what the rents are right now in the market. So what I'm all about is trying to keep the noise down, keeping the assignee happy. And a lot of HR people are now beginning to understand with the talks I'm having with them, how important this is also for the brand of the company. Uh, Because if I can explain to them that the rent is is a bit on the low side, a lot of the time we can get an increase. So we can get the assignee into a much nicer apartment in a much nicer area. And that essentially makes them a lot happier with their employer. So how much of your business is Rome versus Milano? Milan is, without a doubt, the business capital. So most of the assignments would be into Milan. So I would say it's about 70-30. 70% is into Milan, 30% is into Rome. Then with the individual clients, they could be anywhere. Right now, Puglia in the south is very hot. Everybody wants to move to Puglia. It's like the new Tuscany of Italy. And believe it or not, in some areas, obviously a little bit more remote, uh, you can even get a house for about 50,000 euros. So the Puglia is spelled P-U-G-L-I-A? Exactly. Exactly. So, it, so isn't that famous for chocolate? It's famous for a lot of things. Uh, the food is amazing. It's primarily known for its wine. It has some great wine and the weather is fantastic. I mean, some of the beaches have water like the Maldives Islands. It's it's really a beautiful region and it's now very in for a lot of expats, but they are mostly individual cases that I, that I work on in Puglia. The corporate clients are mainly Rome and Milan. And with those corporate clients, I'm also trying to take things to another level. 
that's also with regards to people repatriating. Because very often, particularly when I was doing the general relocation, I saw that people moved back and they were kind of left to their own devices. So that prompted me to create a sort of a special repatriation where we do what I call sort of an Italy reintroduction. So with the assignee, we take them through what I call the three C's. We start with country. So we have a session regarding what has been going on in the country while they've been out. Because you probably have realized this yourself, but when you've been out of your own country, even for as little as a year, and you go back, there's been change. Politically, the show that was hot on TV when you left may not necessarily be the number one show anymore. So with those repatriating, repatriating assignees, we take them through what's going on in the country. Then with HR, we also walk them through what's going on within the company, who's who now within the company. And then finally, we take them through compliance because they may be leaving a bank account with some money open in another country, which could cause issues in Italy. So we really try to support them you know, with their coming back into Italy. And it's been very so far, I'm pleased to say. You have a special service now about people wanting to relocate, just not corporate, but just individuals, and about becoming an Italian, becoming okay to move to relocate. There's a permit process, isn't it? Yes. Obviously, it's much easier to relocate to Italy if you are an EU citizen. If you are a non-EU citizen, and you would like to retire in Italy, there's a special visa. It's called an elective residency visa. And you can get that at the consulate that has jurisdiction over where you live. It's a special visa for retirees. And you have to be able to show a certain monthly income that comes from something that is not work. So that could be a pension, investments, retirement, uh, sorry, rental properties something that generates a monthly income that's not from work. And then I assist those people to come and live in Italy. We, myself and my small team, we take them through the entire process. So when they come, we help them get their permit of stay. We help them with the property, setting up all of the utilities. A lot of the services, to be honest, that I wish I had had myself when I moved, because there are a lot of challenges in Italy when it comes to just even renting a a property, because it is, for the most part, a landlord's market. A lot of landlords own multiple properties, so they're not necessarily rent-dependent. So there hasn't really been a big decrease in rents, particularly in the sought-after areas. Then interacting with the public offices, the utility companies, this is particularly difficult if you don't speak the language. So my team and I will take them through everything from A to Z to make sure that they're settled. And then with the corporates again, I'm now turning my attention to the younger assignees because, again, maybe the standard program that has worked up until now may need a little tweaking. Because I've noticed that with the younger assignees, 
they don't necessarily understand middlemen. So sometimes they're not sure why there's a destination service provider in the middle between them and the realtor. So with those assignees, it's important to engage them in the process a lot more. Recently, we had a younger assignee in Rome who didn't really want to believe that he couldn't find a property for the budget he had. So, you know, we took him to talk directly to the realtors to get the information from the horse's mouth, so to speak. And then, you know, he understood what the situation was. So again, it was working on making the assignment as successful as possible. They also have embraced technology. And then we need to embrace technology, even if it's just the use of WhatsApp to communicate with them. Welcome kits, they don't really know what they are. They, they don't really know what paper is. So you have to embrace you know, technology when it comes to these younger assignees. And things that would be challenging for, let's say, an older assignee for them is fun. We had a guy who went to register at the town hall. He didn't speak Italian. The lady didn't speak English. So he was able to speak into his phone to an app and translate what he wanted to say. Then the phone basically spoke to the lady at the town hall, and that's how he got registered, which I thought was a name. What is the name of that app? I don't know, to be honest. I um, I was I wasn't with him when he was doing it, but I believe there are several. You can speak in to the phone, and it basically translates what you say. There's an app for everything now. <laughs> <I love it>. <laughs> <laughs> and and this is where you know it's becoming a little bit challenging because you you have to adapt to this because these assignees find these episodes a lot of fun. I mean, uh, I've dealt with other assignees in the past, and they would have been devastated by such an experience. But for this particular young man, this was great. And this is what I'm also encouraging other people to do in the global mobility industry, which I think I sort of anticipated to you, is that I think we need to review the programs, embrace technology, start using social media more. And global mobility is great for social media because you can show local dishes on Instagram. You can have little videos of the city on Facebook. So I think think it's very exciting what can be done. That is really fascinating because that would solve a lot of problems of trying to register, sign in, go to a restaurant and live. God, I, I have to look for that app. I have to learn more. And so thanks, thanks for sharing that. <laughs> There's so much that you can do with social media with regards to global mobility because you can show people what the local food is like. You can do a little video on um, importing a pet uh, because that's where we're at now. Everybody's got a phone. Um, and particularly the younger assignees, they don't know what paper is about, for example. So when you talk to them about a paper resource guide, they kind of look at you like, well, what's that? Okay. <laughs> you know, because they do it, because they've got an app. There's an app for everything now. And that's, I think it's very exciting. 
And I think there will always be a place for the human input. And that's why I'm encouraging, you know, my colleagues to sort of automate the low value activities, part of the relocation process, so that they can focus on the high value human input. Because sometimes time gets wasted in, in low value stuff that can be automated and to get creative. You know, how can we, what can we do differently? How can we make a home search better? I mean, probably at some point, you know, we'll be able to do orientation tours in a driverless car. I mean, this is where I think, you know, we need to be putting our creative energies. So let's let's go back to the corporations that mm-hmm. think they need they need to relocate staff. Is, is it any different? The same old story about why companies are relocating people. I mean, a lot of people still want to have an experience of going abroad, and Italy, for example, is a very big consumer market. It has sixty million people. Um, no population changes its mobile phone more than the Italian population. So if you've got a product that you want to sell, this is a good market. And so a lot of companies are still sending people to Italy, fortunately. Again, though, as I said, a lot of those are younger people. So you have to sort of manage them a little bit differently. And then with my iconic programs, I'm also managing the the, the VIPs, but really managing them from a holistic point of view. Because when I was doing general relocation, I I saw several cases where somebody was assigned a very slim program. They need a lot of assistance, and they got very frustrated by being told that something wasn't in the program. So a lot of my approach now is sitting down with HR and navigating them through what I think is the program that the VIP really needs. And it's working well, I'm, I'm pleased to say. You refer to holistic. What does that mean? I mean, really looking at who is coming in. Who are they? What do they really need? We had a case recently of a VIP who was coming with a special needs child. And in that case, it was not just a question of trying to find a school, because some of the schools, particularly the international schools, still may not have a program suitable for a child that needs special attention. So we would have to go out to the market and find individual professionals. And in that case, we need to vet them. We need to meet them. We need to make sure that they can communicate in the child's language. So it's really looking at the family completely and not just saying, okay, well, here there's a special needs child. Okay, well, we'll just call a school. No, we need to go much more granular. We need to really look at this very carefully to make sure that this is going to be as successful as possible. Again, Another case with uh, they brought the parents. We need to find things for these parents to do. And again, when you're doing sort of general relocation, the person who may be following the case may have 30 cases that they're following. So it's difficult to really give the attention that the, the person and or the family may need. So 
by holistic, it's really looking at who's coming in. How can we make this the best experience possible? Okay, great. Uh, I, I, I thank you very much for going deep in that. I'm really interested in clarification about how you get to being, quote-unquote, holistic. And what does that mean? Simply, do you encourage people to fill out a questionnaire before you meet with them? If possible, I like to meet with the people in person. And so far, that has been possible because usually before they relocate, they're coming on business anyway. So I like to sit down with them and take them through a questionnaire, but but also just talking with them and, and really finding out who are they? What are they about? What are they really going to need? Recently, we had another couple and uh, his wife, she really wanted to continue with something to do with business, but she knew that it wasn't going to be possible to really set up a business in Italy. So I said, well, what about a borderless business? Why don't you set up a business that's in a box? And then when you leave Italy, you just pack pack up the business in this little box and take it with you. And so that's what she started doing. She started doing editing. And now she can take her business with her wherever she goes. And I think that that's where we need to be now. I think we need to recognize that maybe who's relocating now is a little bit different from in the past. And some spouses and partners may not necessarily just want to socialize with other expat partners or spouses. You know, they've got other goals. So how can we help them with that? So let me ask you about the person you just described about having uh, quote-unquote business in a box. Um, So does that person need a special permit? Well, she was able to work. I mean, she had no problem from the point of view of being able to work in Italy. What she needed was to be able to talk to an accountant who could help her with the fiscal side of things here in Italy while she was here in Italy, and then package up all of that so that she could take it on to the next accountant wherever she went. So again, it was more sort of in supporting her locally with the professionals that she needed and and brainstorming with her about this particular business that she wanted to do. And that made everything for the husband much easier because she was much happier, because she was working towards something. She had goals. And I recognized this when we met. And I thought, okay, here we need to think a little bit outside the box and see what does she want to do? Well, what's her focus? Um, and that's what I'm kind of about now, much more the general. I want to really get into who's relocating and how can we help them from every point of view. This is fascinating, and I really appreciate you being my guest. So tell me more uh, about your background and how you got into this industry. It kind of, when I came to Italy, I. immediately started, quote-unquote, working with the expatriate community. And then sort of two years into that, I had been putting a lot of notes aside in the meantime. And what happened eventually was I realized that I was giving away a lot of information for free. And essentially, in this industry, it's kind of the, the information that costs. 
So what happened was I put together a little course in 1990, which was called How to Live and Work Successfully in Italy. And I started teaching it in sort of a workshop format. And that sort of then catapulted me into the global mobility industry. And then eventually I started then also doing the immigration side of things because I collaborated with a relocation company and learned the ropes there about all of that. And then about two years ago, I, I knew that I had to go in another direction. I was very happy with what I was doing, but I thought I can, I can do something a little bit different here. I describe it as when everyone is going left, you need to go right. And I think that regardless of what sector you're in, at some point, you kind of realize that the formulas and the strategies that got you to where you are may not necessarily work in today's market. So I decided that I kind of wanted to focus on the VIP end of things. And now I'm also focusing on these younger assignees um, through the Vanguard program, which is still sort of a work in progress, and how we can work with them and, and give them a, a great experience. Because sometimes it was the constraints of working within a particular program sometimes was a little uh, limiting. And I knew that I needed to sort of get out of that a little bit and go in another direction and present a different voice. And so that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing now. Interesting. Okay. So let's talk about DSP, destination services. It's changed, right? Absolutely. Of course. It's very different because what's happened is everything has gotten very price sensitive. Okay. And this is part of what I'm discussing with HR in that anybody who's in the hiring industry, if you've ever hired a person, you will realize that it's very difficult to find good people. Okay. And you really want to build a brand that is associated with taking care of people. Now, I know that that can sound a little bit like lip service because everybody says, oh, we, we love our people, we take care of everybody. But I really think it has to be the focus because you are only as good as your team. If you really want to grow, you've got to be surrounded by good people that you take care of. And I think a way that we can do that is in the relocation process. Um, so if you need to spend a little bit of extra money so that that person gets the support they need when they relocate to Italy, in my case, I think it's really worth it. I saw a case a few years ago of a lady who relocated with a major company and they gave her a very slim program. And she became so frustrated with hearing that this was not included and that was not included that she eventually got fed up and she left Italy and later on left the company. And so I don't think that when you're dealing with people, the way to go is very small, slim programs. Now, I also understand that there are budgets, but when you're really talking about very valuable talent, you've really got to take care of them. Or if you have, in the case of the younger assignees, you can create a program that's good for them. 
they really like to be involved. So you can have a smaller program, but you need to involve them more. So my whole conversation with HR is, what do we need to do here? Well, what's the program we need? And sometimes it doesn't necessarily involve spending more money. It just means interpreting the service a little bit different. Hmm. But you're right. Things have changed uh, a lot. And that's why I also encourage my, my, my peers, my colleagues, to you know, also you know, to attend different events. Go to events that have nothing to do with global mobility, and maybe you'll get a new idea that you can apply to your sector. I think this is where we need to be, Ed. I think we really need to be in a place where we are thinking about what's the next thing to come. I mean, will we get to a home search with augmented reality? We might well do. And, you know, I maybe, you know, we, we need to be the first ones doing it. I mean, I do think that there's always going to be that human side. But I also think that as we go forward, we need to embrace technology more. Um, and we need to also explain what is global mobility. Because sometimes people don't necessarily know what it is. People think, well, you're a realtor. Are you a realtor? And then I explain, no, 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 I'm not a realtor. I work with realtors, but I'm not a realtor. So that's where I think the social media can come in because you can educate through video. You can even educate through photo. You can, you can do a lot with your message through social media. I don't know if you agree. Yes, I totally agree. Social, uh, in particular LinkedIn, is perfect for them. Yeah, and you have to identify what I call high-value problems and solve those. And don't copy your competitors because that's what happens in too many sectors. Everybody's copying everybody, and it's very difficult to differentiate between people. I think it's time, if you want longevity in this sector or any sector for that matter, I think it's all about finding your own unique voice. That's why I, I started focusing on the VIPs because no one was really doing that in Italy. It was a totally, no one was there. No one was doing that. And because I had several VIPs, kind of their relocation go a little bit south because of the what I felt was not the right program. I thought, okay, here there, there's an opening in the market. Let me go in this direction. So I'm looking at an article that you published this fall about hiring, hiring people yes. to work in this industry. Yes, uh, yes, yes. And I would think that you have a big challenge because this is an on-the-job training thing, isn't it? It is challenging because you re well, I mean, hiring is challenging at the best of times. In this sector, it's even more challenging because you really have to find people that have a passion for people. And the challenge, there's even a, then in Italy, you, there's an additional challenge because you may find somebody who has that, but they may not speak English very well, or they speak English well, but then they don't have the part regarding the customer service. So the passion, I mean, I know, again, that that's a word that we throw around a lot. But the person really has to have passion for customer service. And because DSPs, 
destination service providers for the most part are small companies, the room for growth, to be honest, is not enormous. So that passion for helping people really has to be present so that that's what kind of gets them out of bed in the morning and, and gives them the fire in their soul to go to work. You talk in that article about being healthy and skilling up, and mm -hmm. uh, this is like life skills, and yet it's applied to the industry, to DSP management, because mm -hmm. you're dealing with people, simple as that. You're dealing with people, and it, where I was working previously, I also created a personal development library within the office with various books, DVDs, magazines, because I think we all need to be learning new stuff. Just simply cannot go forward with what you knew 10, 15 years ago. It's, it, you really, we, we really have to be skilling up. And very often when I hired people, not alone did I have to teach them the job, but I also had to teach them how to attach an attachment to an email, which, to be honest, I didn't really feel was my job. And sometimes you have to also work on those aspects within people. I realized that sort of 80% of the emails that people were writing were the same emails, and everybody was writing the same emails over and over again. And I said, well, you know, we need templates. We need to save time here. And that's what I was encouraging in people and what I'm still encouraging in people is to come up with ideas to make our work easier and better. So and tell me how people can contact you. People can contact me through my website, which is www.damienofarrell.com. For people that are specifically interested in Italy, I have a Facebook group, which is called Ultimate Italy. And this is for all the lovers of Italy, not just with regards to immigration and relocation, but there's also a lot of information on Italy's fantastic fashion, food, wine, culture, history. And it's a good group. People get a lot out of it. So they're basically the two ways that people can reach out to me. And so what kinds of companies are relocating people into Rome? Into Rome, I'm working at the moment with several luxury brands. There are also some energy companies relocating. It's a mixture, pretty much as, as, as it always has been. And as I said, it's a big consumer market. So anybody that's bringing product to the market, this is a big market for people. Online retailers are really seeing the potential in the Italian market. So there's also relocation going on there. And so most of the international business is in Milan, is that correct? Yes. I consciously decided to work mainly in Milan, Rome, and Florence with this venture, because when you go into these smaller second, third tier cities, you can run into a lot of challenges because there's no temporary accommodation. There's really no rental market. The standard of the properties sometimes are very low. And this creates a lot of frustration. My focus now is really 
on trying to create the best experience possible. And how can I do that? And I felt that the best way to do that was for now to concentrate on those three specific markets. Well, thank you very much for talking with us, Damien O'Farrell. It's been a delight to have our relationship over the years and look forward to producing one of our Global HR conferences in Europe and perhaps in Milan. And let's stay in touch. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Ed. Okay? Thank you very much. Okay, this is Ed Cohen along with Damien O'Farrell signing off from Rome and from San Diego, California. Thank you. Myself, what a wonderful.